What's up guys, Jeff Cavalier, AthleanX.com. So today I want to cover a very important topic, the topic of strength. Because you see, we actually did a recent video and we had our, our guy Jesse here and we talked about the gains he's been making recently. And first of all, Jesse, thanks you for all the nice things that were said about him. And then there were a couple not so nice things like that Jesse still looks like a girl. I saw the comment. What the f guys? I, honestly, when's the last time I saw a girl with a beard like that? I mean, that's confirmation alone that Jesse's all man making all man gains. But honestly, guys, we do have to talk about strength because there's a lot to learn here. And people wanted to know more about the point I made about that line, that fine line between true strength and compensatory strength. I think we need to go over that and break that all down because I think there's some really good things you can learn from that. Okay, so let's start this all out by, I think, first defining what strength is. And the classic definition of strength is basically your ability to generate force against some sort of an external load or resistance, right? That's pretty much what it is. But the issue with that definition, and why I think we need to take it a little step further, is that that doesn't necessarily rule out or take out of the equation this idea of compensatory strength. Meaning, what compensations are you making to produce that force? Because you could be doing a lot of that. And as a matter of fact, as I argued in Jesse's video, there is a lot of that happening, especially with Jesse, especially with a lot of times with beginners who don't necessarily take the time to build from the ground up and are speeding towards higher and higher and new PRs every single time they hit the gym. They're not necessarily taking the time to develop what they need to. So the idea here as a trainer for athletes is I have to be extremely concerned about differentiating between true strength and compensatory strength. Because I know that as an athlete goes out in the field of competition, they're going to be, become a lot more spontaneous in terms of the force that they generate because they're, they're competing. They're not necessarily working in a controlled environment. But we have to know that their true strength is maximized as much as possible because the earlier that they have to rely on compensations in this compensatory strength, the degree to which they have to compensate and the frequency with which they have to compensate are all major determinants in terms of how likely that person is to become injured. Because if they have to do this more often, more frequently, or to a greater degree, then their likelihood of injuring themselves by making these compensations is higher. And we don't want to see that. We can't afford to see that. We need to make sure that we're seeing uh, the, this true strength get as, as maximized as possible. And that demands that we become a little bit more alert to the small compensations. Because what is the compensation here? Guys, it's not obvious stuff. We're not talking about swinging a barbell back on a curl like this or looking like an angry cat when you're deadlifting. That's just called piss poor form. We're not talking about that. When we talk about compensation, realizing, especially when it comes to athletes, that athletes are masters of compensation. They know how to make compensations without it even being noticeable to the person that's watching them or coaching them, unless you have a trained eye. And certainly sometimes they don't even feel it themselves. Because by nature, compensations are actually more effective, efficient. The reason why you compensate is because you're, you're, you're doing a more efficient movement pattern and you're making that, that lift become effective when it shouldn't be because you don't have the strength in the first place to actually execute it. So we can't let that go. We can't just say, hey, train around it. You're going you're gonna to get better at it. That's not how it works. Once your body becomes efficient and finding this effective pattern, which is unwanted, and, and pathologic really, then you have to figure out a way to intervene. It's like knowing the shortcut once you learn the short way home. You're never going to take the long way anymore. 
unless you're trying to go for a scenic drive. There's no point. So we need to be able to intervene on that and decrease their reliability on their compensatory strength by increasing that, that, that focus on developing that true strength. So what are some real examples of it then? So if we're talking about a real example, I actually just had an athlete come in here, a high-performing athlete who was having some issues with some hip pain on a deadlift. And to anybody that was watching them, matter of fact, this person was actually recording themselves doing the lift, to anybody watching, there was nothing necessarily uh, that you could detect from their form. Everything looked great. Bar, the bar path was great. The, the, the loading of the hips was great. The positioning of the back throughout was great. Everything was great. But what I saw, again, I've been doing this a long time, guys, and I saw something very, very slight that I didn't even have confirmation of until we broke out force plates, was I thought that I saw a little bit of a tilting of the bar on the way up, indicating to me that there might have been a little bit of a weight shift. And the weight shift could come from a lot of different things. But as it turns out, it could come from potentially maybe a little bit of a hip impingement issue on that side and trying to get off of that hip a little bit as you get down deeper into the, into the, the deadlift. Now, we break out the force place and what happens? As they're coming up, they're about 50-50 on the way down. The minute they start to come out of the hole, out of the bottom of the deadlift and they come up, I see this shift to about a 55-45, which is enormous. And that's one that may not come back and bite them on that individual rep, but you do that day after day, session after session, workout after workout, that is going to become a problem. And that is not something that's just going to disappear. That is going to be ingrained and strengths will be developed around that compensatory strength. And we can't allow that to happen. Now you apply that to a squat, it gets even more problematic. Because in the bottom of a squat, you may not see it. You may not, but you can probably feel sometimes when somebody makes a slight shift they're down in the hole, they're gonna kinda of come out of it and they make a slight shift away. Now why do we do that? It could be for a whole host of reasons. It could be because of the actual uh, anatomy of your hip and how it's shaped. That could be one thing, but you're not changing that no matter what weight you're lifting. It could be because you're lacking dorsiflexion at the bottom of that lift, so you kinda of unload it to not have to be as dorsiflex in the bottom on that ankle. But again, that will probably show up if you were having you know, no matter what the load was that you were using, but it does, mobility issues do get worse as you increase that load. Or it could be, again, this, this issue of this impingement, because as I go away from that side, usually the, the pelvis on that side will come forward, which creates a relative external rotation in that hip, which is creating a little bit more room if you have a hip impingement going on. So as the load becomes bigger, I find that I might be doing that more often, or maybe it's just a quad weakness. And when I finally get to the bottom there, my right leg's not as strong as my left leg, so I try to rely on the left leg a little bit more and I shift off of it. All of these things can be so minute that unless you have a trained eye watching them or unless you have experience doing this lift so many times, you might not even feel it yourself, but it doesn't make it any less problematic. And if you keep adding weight to the bar every single session after that, you are only making that problem worse. You need to intervene and get rid of that compensation. Remember, not this blatant ridiculous looking bad form, but this compensation, oftentimes hidden or subtle, if you want to continue to build true strength without piling on more compensatory strength. And another example I'll give you with, we actually at winter meetings, uh, MLB winter meetings, and they actually had a, um, a machine that was testing Nordic hamstring, your hamstring strength on a Nordic hamstring raise, right, where you kind of hook your legs underneath, almost like a, like a glute ham raise. And you lower your body down and then pull yourself back up. One of my colleagues that was actually there with me the difference in strength between his two hamstrings in initiating the pull to get your torso back up to vertical was ridiculous, off by about 40%.
Ask him if he felt the difference. He didn't feel any of it. So your body is hiding that discrepancy, allowing yourself to believe that you have equalized strength between both legs when it was anything but that was actually occurring in this guy's lower body. So it's another argument for why as athletes here we often train you single-legged because we have to see if we can reveal those, those discrepancies in other ways. But again, if you're not necessarily having access to the force plates, having a, an awareness about what's going on with your body, don't have someone measuring your strength on a Nordic hamstring race, then what do you do? Oftentimes you just keep training and piling weight on, leading to more dysfunction, causing more issues. So you know, people would say, well, you know, Jeff, as a physical therapist, you're too concerned about this. I have to be. It's my job, but beyond that, I realize and I understand the importance of this because I see the people that come to me with the results of not addressing this difference. It's not just about strength. You have to have your true strength and understand that the, comp the compensatory strength that will come along with that has to be stopped as soon as possible. And then build on that. Because this is certainly not an attack on heavy weights. I believe in training with heavy weights and loading up. But only if you've developed that base built on a solid foundation, eliminating as many compensatory movements as possible, even those subtle ones, even if you need the help of someone to help you to, to find them out, so that you, when you build on that, you're building true strength. And the more true strength you have and the greater you can raise that level there, the less likely you're going to have to rely on those other compensations, which is going to decrease your chance of injury. And it doesn't just have to be an athlete. It can be anybody that's in the gym that's ever had issues. Ask yourself when you're making these compensations, have you ever blown out your back doing squats or had back problems or back pain after doing squats? I can tell you this, if you're unfortunate enough to the point where you had to go in and actually have it repaired, it may not even be fixed. Because a lot of times the nerve damage that's left over from those injuries will stay with you for the rest of your life. Same thing with bad knees. You do this for a longer period of time, you wear down the cartilage, you develop osteoarthritis in your knees, that ain't going away. It's not changing. So it's incredibly important to intervene now. And the reason why we take a guy like Jesse, who's 24 by the way, 24 years old, if we can intervene now and build a baseline, even if it takes us a little bit longer than what people might want to do or feel like they need to invest that time in the beginning, they'd rather jump right into those heavy weights, look at how much time he's got for the rest of his lifting life now to hopefully be building true strength on a solid foundation. Hopefully a long time. Right? It's not a short game, guys. It's never a sprint. This is for the long term. So if you go back to what, what the approach was that we're using with Jesse, you want to focus on your bigger lifts. Of course you do. He always bench presses. He rows. He squats. He deadlifts. He presses overhead. But we're trying to do it where we're minimizing the, uh, the obsession and the urge to pile weights on first until we've realized that we've addressed all these things. Because he came to me with lots of compensations, guys. And again, maybe I become a little bit over-analytical of them because this is what I'm trained to do, but I don't think that that belies the fact that they still need to be addressed, identified, and eliminated. So that's the big difference, guys, between when we talk about what true strength is. And what I want you guys to realize on this channel is we want strength. Strength is a, uh, is a prerequisite for anybody, not just athletes, but for anybody trying to function better. But there's a big difference, and we have to delineate between true strength and compensatory strength, and we have to start becoming more aware of that. And if we become more aware of that, then we can do something about it. Guys, in our athletics training programs, I do that all the time. Again, I can't separate the physical therapist from the strength coach, it all, because it all matters. It's all, it all comes together in the end. 
We put that in all of our programs. We, took, we said we put the science back in strength. That's what we do in all of our programs. If you're interested in training with them, you can find them over at athletex.com. In the meantime, if you found this video helpful, if it's a little bit of an eye opener, leave your comments and thumbs up below. Let me know what you want to cover, and I'll do my best to do that for you in the days and weeks ahead. All right, guys, see you soon.